0: This is Doris Gilman, Editor and Publisher of Health Thought Leadership One-to-One Blog and Podcasts. On the blog and through the podcast, you'll learn about innovations that advance the business of healthcare. As President of Be Seen Be Heard Incorporated, I help health thought leaders express and find channels for their ideas, capabilities, and solutions. This podcast is titled, Taking the Pain Out of ICD-10 Electronic Charge Capture with Dr. Ryan Seekhan, Chief Medical Officer with Boston, Massachusetts-based coding and billing software developer Medaptis. Dr. Seekhan is also a practicing hospitalist at Emerson Hospital in Concord, Massachusetts. Dr. Seekhan speaks from his experience about the value of preparing now for coding using the expanded ICD-10 diagnosis vocabulary the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, has given physicians a reprieve by extending the deadline for ICD-10 adoption from October 2014 to October 2015. Dr. C. knows well how ICD-10 electronic charge capture will impact the daily professional lives of physicians. ICD-9 coding from the late 1970s is getting a drastic facelift. In the podcast, Dr. Seekan will describe the expanded coding system including its challenges. ICD-10 is a new standard of coding in the United States, but it's been used in Europe and other parts of the world since 1994. Thank you, Dr. Seekan, for your thoughts on how physicians, practice managers, and administrators can adopt and adapt ICD-10 coding and billing to their workflow as painlessly as possible.
1: Thanks so much for having me today.
0: Let's start with what are the differences between ICD-9 and ICD-10 coding? What adjustments will physicians have to make in their daily practice, whether they're in the hospital or in the office?
1: It's a great question. You know, the the big thing that we're seeing is that there's a real difference in the sheer volume of codes that we see in ICD-10 compared to ICD-9. Um, the number of codes that physicians are going to use to characterize the diagnoses that their patients have um, has increased from about 13,000 codes in ICD-9 to about 68,000 codes in ICD-10, um, which is a you know, fairly significant increase when you think about the complexity of uh, the codes and the amount of information that's going to be in each of these codes. One of the other nice things about uh, the way things have changed that the, the structure of the ICT-10 code um, is a little bit more organized and is created in a way to be a little bit more consistent from one code to the next. So what you see is that the code has multiple characters where the first three characters, kind of the, which is a letter and two numbers, uh, specify kind of the category of disease. Then the fourth digit talks about the etiology of the disease. The fifth is the body part. The sixth is the severity of illness, and there's even a seventh uh, code, a number, uh, which is a, a placeholder, which can increase specificity, which we see mostly in kind of orthopedic and surgical specialties.
0: What choices do physicians have to navigate ICD-10 codes? What will be the tool of choice?
1: You know, when we look at, you know, again, the differences between ICD-9 and ICD-10, and we look at the increase in codes, the, the tools that many physicians were using in ICD-9 are no longer going to be able to work. You know, oftentimes what physicians would have is a, a code sheet or a charge ticket where there might be 100 or so diagnoses that they frequently use that are pre-printed on a piece of paper, and they simply put a check mark next next to the one uh, that uh, their patient has. Unfortunately, when you think about the, the increase in the number of codes uh, for, you know, even, you know, a routine specialty um where you now have five times as many codes now you're talking about a five page paper in order for the physicians to find the codes that they're looking for and for some specialties where the uh, increase in codes has been even more dramatic um, it can be even greater than that for example um, you know a simple femur fracture now generates more than five thousand different codes that can be attached to it so you can imagine that the orthopedic surgeons are not going to walk around their office with a book with five thousand codes in it that they're going to flip through uh, to search and find the diagnosis that they're looking for. So really, uh, the only option is to adopt an electronic charge capture software uh, that will allow you to navigate through the volume of codes that are available in ICD-10 to be able to rapidly get to the code that you need using clinical language that the physician is familiar with. It's very important to leverage uh, existing data that you may already have in your system regarding both the patient and the physician. So I, as a physician, have certain practice patterns And I have certain patients that I see who have certain diagnoses. Oftentimes these are consistent from day to day and week to week and month to month. And so if I can easily leverage that information about the codes that I use on a regular basis, it can make it easier to get to the codes that I need.
0: In other words, you become accustomed to using certain codes all the time and you don't certainly have to become familiar with the whole 64,000 code set.
1: Exactly. And if if your charge capture solution keeps those codes, and you make it easy to select from those codes, then not only is that these are the ones that I become most familiar with, but they're also the ones that become most accessible to me when I'm trying to put my my charges in for that particular patient. In addition, um, you know, as we take care of patients longitudinally over time, patients typically carry the same diagnoses for years and years and years. You know, once a patient is diagnosed with diabetes, typically they have that diagnosis for the rest of their life. If your charge capture solution allows you to retain that information about the patient, then it can make it very easy the next time you're about to see the patient to be able to choose those diagnoses from the history that that patient has already established to make it again much more much more uh, simple and quick in order to get your code in and get your bill completed.
0: So it's really not so scary.
1: You know, it sounds very scary at first, but I think once people get used to the kind of the new workflows and especially the new tools that are available to deal with it, it's not going to be nearly as bad as people think.
0: What makes the technology accessible within whatever EHR a physician uses to capture patient data at the point of care?
1: You know, that's, uh, again, this is another great question. So, you know, in our ideal scenario, um, you know, Physicians are already using an EHR. They're already using an electronic health record, whether that's in the office or in the hospital. And one of the key things that we find is creating a a seamless interoperability with the EHR. So essentially, um, being able to integrate the charge capture process with the EHR to allow you to, again, leverage the the context-specific information about that patient. So if I'm already in my EHR, and I'm already documenting on my patient, and it already knows all the demographic information about the patient, what I want to do is I want to be able to kind of maintain that context and go directly into my charge rather than having to enter a whole other system and generate a whole different set of data. I want to be able to pull that in from my EHR, and that's why the ability to integrate a charge capture solution with your EHR is so important, and it really kind of lets you manage your charge capture regardless of what, electronic health record you're using.
0: How do you overcome interoperability obstacles when the coding takes place out of the office or in a hospital or another off-site setting?
1: Uh, Well, again, this is uh, the beauty of what we're talking about is integration into the EMR. You know, I can tell you when I work and I take care of my patients, um, it's so frustrating when not only do I have, you know, kind of administrative, you know, I'd call it paperwork although now it's on the computer. I may have a lot of paperwork that I have to do, and that's bad enough, but I certainly don't want to duplicate my work. I don't want to enter a problem list in my EHR with all the diagnoses that a patient has and sign my note in the EHR and then open up another piece of software, log on to another piece of software again, and then again choose all of those same problems again in order to generate my charge and then sign my bill. What I really want to do is make sure that my charge capture solution is integrated into my EHR. So that way I can, for example, pull my problem list out of my EHR and directly into my charge and generate my ICD-10 codes that way. And so that way I can only do, I only have to engage in the process one time. I've already signed on. I already have the appropriate patient context available. I've already picked my diagnoses in my EHR or in my charge capture solution, and it can go, and the data can then go either from the charge capture solution up into the EHR or the other way. In addition, what's nice about this is not only do I get the benefit of integrating the data so that I only have to enter it one time, but I get the other benefits of the charge capture software. So for example, in our charge capture solution, you know it runs about a million different rules looking at correct coding initiatives and such. So that way... If I enter a code incorrectly, um, it can flag me at the time of care, so that way I can adjust that and fix it on the fly. So for example, if if I'm seeing a patient for the first time in the ICU, and I'm doing an admission history physical on my patient, and I also am managing the ventilator because the patient has respiratory failure, if I go to put my code into on paper, I could simply charge for my H&P, and I could charge for my ventilator management and send my bill off, and then, weeks later, I may find out that I can't actually bill for both of those procedures on the same day, whereas when I have an electronic charge capture that has rules I can check for those sorts of things, it can save me the trouble of that denial down the road and help me actually fix the problem at the time and also at the same time teach me so that the next time I'm entering my charges, you know, I may not make that same mistake.
0: So you're working from a laptop or a um, a tablet?
1: Well, different physicians have different workflows. You know, our particular charge capture solution is available on multiple platforms, including the iPhone and the iPad and Blackberry and also on the web. So depending on, you know, what what your particular workflows are, you know, you as the clinician can use whatever device works best for you. If you were in your EHR, and you're already sitting at the desktop, you may want to use the web application, which may be integrated directly into your EHR already. If you are a primary care doctor who is seeing a patient at a nursing home where they may not have even an electronic health record, you may want to just, you know, quickly take out your iPhone and put your charge in for the patient that you've seen. Basically, you know, you want to be able to adopt the technology that you use to fit into your workflow, you know, regardless of what that is.
0: Uh, From your experience, what measurable productivity gains can a physician achieve when completing revenue capture at the point of care?
1: There can be tremendous productivity gains from using charge capture. You know, one of the biggest things that we see is we can see a significant increase in uh, productivity through work RVUs, which are relative value units, that are kind of assigned to the different charges that people use that kind of indicate the amount of work that's involved and how much uh, time each charge took to, ge- to to generate. And oftentimes, what we see is the closer in time the charge is created to the time the service was performed, the more accurate it is. Because oftentimes, physicians engage in a behavior uh, we call defensive downcoding, where I might see a patient today and you know do do a uh, say a level three history and physical on that patient. But if I don't submit my charge today and I submit my charge at the end of the week, I may not remember in detail everything that I did with that patient. And so oftentimes physicians will say, you know, what, just to be safe, I don't want to overbill for the charges that I'm doing. I'll just submit a level 2 H&P or even a level 1 H&P. And so they're kind of being defensive and being conservative and coding less than really the work that they've done and the work that they should be paid for. So by making sure that the charge is entered very close to the time the service is provided, we know that it's going to be the most accurate representation of the work that was actually done. In addition, reconciliation, or making sure that every encounter is charged appropriately and that no charges are missed, is very important. You know, we have you know, many of our clients you know, who were on paper before we first started working with them You know, they would have a doctor who had an index card that they were jotting down all of their charges on that they carried in their pocket, and then, you know, two weeks later it went through the washing machine, (laughs) and then they bring it to their assistants, you know, a week later, the next time they're in the hospital, and they try to get billed for it, and already too much time has gone by, and you can't read what the charges are anymore, and oftentimes those charges are just lost. And so all the work that that physician did, all the revenue that they generated, it never gets collected, it never gets charged for, and the institution loses that money. And so what we've seen is we've seen extensive increases in productivity just from using an electronic charge capture solution. For example, there's one program that we worked with where they did a, a fairly detailed uh, return on investment uh, study where they looked at you know the time from before they implemented our software to the time after they did. And despite the fact that their hospital census went down by 2% in the time period when they were using our software compared to beforehand, they saw a 12% increase in the work RBUs that were generated by their physicians. And we see that really as a key key driver of revenue for uh, the hospital system. In addition, another key uh, component that we saw was that there was a decrease in charge lag. So charge lag is that time between when the service was provided to the patient and when the bill is sent out. And so the shorter your your charge lag is, the sooner your money gets paid. And so oftentimes what we see is there can be practices where that are still working on paper where it might be days or even weeks in between the time of service and the time that their bill gets sent out. So they may have two weeks or three weeks' worth of revenue from all of their physicians in the practice that's just kind of out in the ether in their accounts receivable waiting to come in, that they have to just sit and wait for it to come back. And one of the benefits of using a charge capture solution is that we really cut down that lag time. So now I go into a room, I see the patient, I walk out of the room, I enter my charge in my charge capture solution, and I'm done. Instead of it being weeks before my charge gets submitted, now it might be you know, hours or even minutes from the time of service. And so oftentimes what we see is practices that transition from paper to our charge capture solution see a one-time cash infusion from the shortening of that accounts receivable time. So essentially what we see is instead of it taking you know, 14 days from the time the service is completed until the charge is submitted, we may see that shortened down by you know, up to four or even eight days. So we may see that that charge you know, now, they capture back you know, a week or more of, of physician revenue for their entire practice from getting that accounts receivable a little bit faster oftentimes what we can see is for example this uh, you know we can see practices that have decreases you know in their lag time by as much as 50 percent or more and that can be a tremendous boon of a one-time cash infusion you know for uh, the system
0: from your case studies how much can a hospital or medical system capture that would otherwise be lost revenue can you cite an example
1: sure well so You know, I think the best way to look at this is to start individually on the individual physician level, and then we can simply kind of multiply that up based on the size of the system to get a sense of, you know, how much money we're talking about here. What we've often found is that after going live with our system, we can cut charge lag, again, that's that time between when the service is performed and when the the charge is sent out, by about four to eight days. Now, how much revenue does that yield? Well, a typical uh, physician will generate about $428,000 in revenue over the course of a year. And when you figure that out based on how many days they work, it comes out to roughly $2,000 every day in revenue. And so if we're able to cut the charge lag by four to eight days, essentially that's four to eight days of revenue that kind of comes rushing into the practice, which is roughly eight to $16,000 per doctor. And so what we see... Uh, One example that we saw with this, um, this was uh, one of our um, uh, early clients. Um, They had 400 docs in their uh, in their practice, and so what happens was they saw a 55% decrease in their accounts receivable, and what they saw was a one. Now this was only a one-time cash infusion just from kind of collecting those extra receivables of 13.5 million dollars. Well, that's
0: show-stopping.
1: It's a a dramatic effect. And when you realize that all this money is just floating out there, if you can kind of get yourself together and get your charges submitted and get that revenue into your system, it can make a big difference. You know, and it it doesn't even apply. You know, obviously, that's a large system with 400 docs. But you know what? If you were a 10-doc practice and you got a cash infusion of $150,000 from reducing your charge lag, you'd notice that on your bottom line. And so these numbers are very large, and oftentimes, you know, this cash infusion can offset, you know, all of the costs of uh, implementing one of these uh, software solutions with money that's still left over for the practice.
0: Well, that's quite compelling.
1: One other area that we also see beyond the charge lag um, is annual revenue. So, as, as you know, as we've been talking about, it's not just the reduction in, in, in accounts receivable, but with the reduction in defensive downcoding, and the, the improved reconciliation process. Typically, you know, we see an increase of about 15000 to $25,000 per year per doctor. That's about a three to 5% increase in revenue. And so when you look at a, you know, a practice or you know, a hospital system, you know, if you have a, you know, a 10-doc practice, you know, that might be, you know, $250,000 a year in more revenue. But if you're talking about a larger system, say, you know, 500-doc system, Again, you might see 7, 8, 10, $12 million a year in revenue. You know, one of our customers, again, that, that practice with 400 uh, docs, not only did they see that $13.5 million cash infusion, but what they saw was about $6.5 million a year in revenue. You know, I can tell you as somebody who works in a, a community hospital, the margins on healthcare, you know, in the hospital setting and the healthcare setting are actually quite small. And, and a number large, like $6.7 million, you know, can often be the difference between, you know, a hospital being in the black and the hospital being in the red and having to close its doors. And, you know, the thing about this revenue, which I really try to convey to our, our potential clients, is, you know, this, this increase in revenue, you have to act on it. If you don't, you know, every day that you delay improving your charge capture, it's lost charges that are gone and that are never going to come back. And that's revenue you won't be able to obtain again. And so I just urge, you know, our potential clients to, you know, to to do this as soon as they possibly can because it's a chance to capture revenue that you may otherwise not be able to do.
0: That's found money.
1: Exactly. Well
0: that's pretty compelling pretty compelling argument for small practices all the way through, you know, hospitals and health systems. Dr. Seekin will be giving us an update to um, ICD-10 and the rules that CMS will be posting uh, when that comes out. Thank you, Dr. Ryan Seekin, Chief Medical Officer at MedAptis, for making listeners and physicians more comfortable with technology already in place that will increase productivity with software tools seamlessly available through their electronic health record to reduce the complexity of transitioning to ICD-10 coding and billing. This is Doris Gilman, editor and publisher of Health Thought Leader's one-to-one blog and podcast. Please leave your comments about this post and podcast at seen-heard.com backslash blog. Read the Still Current posts and listen to other podcasts on the blog listed in the right-hand column. Thank you for listening.